Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trapper Dive Yes sir, welcome back to another episode of the Trapper Dive Podcast Provided to you by 214 Media and SB Nation's Hog Haven and I guess Dakota too, bro. Why you so why you so needy, bro? I, I just started this jump and now you want attention. So I ain't talking to you. Um, I'm your host, Molly Mo, in here with AJ and Dre. Fellas, how y'all doing today, bro? On this uh Sunday evening for those figuring out what day we are recording today. But how y'all how y'all fellas doing, bro? Feeling great, man. It was a great Sunday. It's beautiful weather outside. I mean, I'm sounding old now and I'm acting like my parents because I'm talking about how great the weather is on the weekend. Shit, I mean, but yesterday was nasty, so it was nice to have a nice little day like today. Yesterday was bad, bro. <laughs> it was nasty. Hey, where you yeah, at? I thought it I thought I thought it warmed up or whatever yesterday. It did it was like, but day. it was raining. Yeah, it was raining for like 18 hours out of the day. We had probably about three or four four good hours and then it went back to raining again. Uh, it was it was different on the VA side then because I definitely side. I definitely woke up with a shit ton of rain, but then maybe around like 12 when it cleared up. But overall, man, another blessed weekend. Uh, lucky to see another day and uh be able to do the show with some boys. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, nah, Dre, you made it bruh. So I so we I got flag football, flag football season started back up, started this weekend with a tournament. Um yesterday and today. So we had to play in that rain yesterday, bruh. And Ooh. like it's crazy because when you look at the weather, the weather app, like we checking it, I'm checking that joint constantly. I'm like, I ain't trying to play in no goddamn rain. <laughs> but um the joint tell it we got an eleven o'clock game and the joint tell us on the just on the weather app, don't tell us like it's supposed to stop raining at 9 a.m. So I'm like, I ain't got nothing to worry about. And the fields look sweet. Like when we get there, I'm like, these fields look good. Like for a soccer field, like it's it's well kept and all that stuff. Um, of course, on the VA side, um, all you rich rich folks out there, but um, but yeah, 11 o'clock hit, bro, and it start pouring down like a monsoon type rain. I'm like, bro, ain't no way in hell. Of course, we gotta play through it, but ain't no way in hell we this unlucky to have our first game. In the rain like this, and um, we ended up losing. Lost, lost that, lost that John at the last second, bro. Um, Damn. Yeah, and then we had to play again today, uh, and went one and one. But flag football, all in all, that was my weekend. Um, great, great games, great, good, good time to be back. Um, the weather was good today, cold as hell, um, and windy as hell. But uh, then we got to go back and and see a, a goddamn shootout. And what? Where was they at? Houston. Where, where was four? the game at? Yeah, where was the final four? Yeah, where was the, the LSU game it was at? In Texas. I know it was in Texas. <laughs> I don't know if yeah, it, was I think it was I think it was I think it was in Dallas. I think oh, it was Dallas. Yeah, so the men are in Houston. I think the women yeah. are in Dallas. The men in Houston. 
Yeah, yeah, boy, LSU shot the goddamn. We was talking about it, obviously, but LSU shot the goddamn lights out. Of the, did you see any of the game, Dre, at all? Did you, was you able to catch it? I was, was able to catch there? little glimpses here and there. I saw the early parts of the first and second quarter um, when Caitlin Clark was going off. I was like, that was the Caitlin Clark show. <laughs> yeah, well, I left out, and that's when LSU started taking over, and I didn't get to see the rest of the game. So, yeah, I about to say she went cold for a minute too, like. She put she had 14 in the first in the first quarter, and then after that, she ain't make a free throw. I mean, a, a field goal, and like it had to be at least like 10 minutes game time, bro. Like she was cold. Well, that girl, the one part I did see was when that big girl got in foul trouble. When she got in foul mm-hmm. trouble, I said, Yeah, I was gonna be in trouble now because she was there yeah. enforcing. And LSU yeah. had a little a bit of bullies, and she had bullied the South Carolina girls on Friday night. So mm-hmm. if she could stand up to South Carolina, I knew she could stand up to LSU. But once she got foul trouble, I saw that's gonna change the game for hours. Them refs, them refs was a little weird on both sides. Like I, ain't, it was, it was some phantom calls that they. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what they wanted to do. Like sometimes, like when, when it's, when it's that bad with the, with the foul calls, you just wonder like how much of a part did they want to play in this game? Like did they want their face shown or something? I don't, oh, I don't, I don't so get it. Bro. <laughs> yeah, but shout out the, uh, shout out the angel. Uh, what's her, what's her last name? Angel Reese, I think. Angel. Her um, brother played for uh, Maryland. Uh, Julian Reese. He starts center for Maryland. Okay, yes. Also, because I know she's from Baltimore, so and y'all said that she played for Maryland. That was her yeah. original. That's where she committed originally. How long was she there? She she, she played a couple years in Maryland. She was a, a beast years. in Maryland, and then she transferred to LSU this year. But her brother stayed in Maryland. Yeah. Okay. Mm, man, shout out to her, bro. Um, shout out to her, but she did her thing. And uh, shorty number two from LSU shot the light. Boy, had twenty some points on like five six three. It was crazy. Um, but salute to them. Uh, we are here for the commanders talk. Uh, like I said, we starting the month of April and finishing the month of April with all draft talk. Um, today we started off dolo, but before we get started, man, with the draft in particular, uh, I don't know if you all like we, we don't talk ownership that much, but I had this question just because I, I heard it a lot on Friday, um, or maybe Thursday. Uh, but RG3 was on the radio. I I, I want to say he was talking to local. Um, maybe 1067. Uh, I don't know, but he was on the radio, and I, I remember him saying that he had conversations with the Harris bid. And and for those who don't know, at this point, I'm sure everybody is, is familiar, it's probably uh Josh Harris, uh, and Steve Apopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopopop
animosity towards him because it didn't pan out how they envisioned. But I mean, as a as a Washington Redskins fan, football fan, whatever, especially at my age, man, he gave me he gave me one of the the best moments of being a Washington fan in in my life as far as being able to dissect the game and understand it fully, uh, his rookie season. I don't have no hatred towards that, man. Like, I already knew there was a conflict of interest when you take a quarterback first round and then take another quarterback, what, third round? Like, I already knew what time it was. <laughs> I already knew what was going to play out eventually, especially if health comes in the way. Uh, but I just think people don't like him personally. Uh, they think that he's corny, whatever. But if he gets the opportunity to be a part of the process, I mean, if you look at it in the last decade, he's he's the most popular Washington football player in the last decade. And he knows the highs and the lows, like the highest of the highs. I I tweeted it where it was pretty much Barack Obama 1A and 1B was RG3 his rookie season, like in, in D.C., like. You, I haven't seen in in my adulthood, haven't seen Washington fans come together like that. In my adulthood, like yeah. the whole city was raving about him. He couldn't go anywhere. Uh, a couple places he he went with with me and clients or whatever. Like it was hard for him to do anything. Like it was it was like Justin Bieber, some shit. Like oh, that's crazy. It had certain security detail, armed security, all that. So, I mean, like I said, he knows the highs and lows. He's won the Heisman. He's done it at a higher level collegiately. Hey, they want to bring him in for the process, cool. I don't know what that role would be, but it's not like this man about to be making decisions for for the organization. And first, I got to say, I do agree with AJ 100%, but the first thing in AJ's talking about RG3 and the starting he was in 2012, that just goes to show you how hungry this town is for a quarterback. I mean, that, that guy got that treatment off of one year of just giving fans mm-hmm. hope. And this fan base would just erupt if you can get multiple years. Like, imagine a guy giving us multiple years of what RG3 gave us that one year. I mean, that dude, is he'll, he, can, he will be the president in this area, you know, to most of us. But no, I agree with AJ 100%. I did see some of the chatter on Twitter where people were kind of, you know, up in arms. I saw some of the radio personalities, um, you know, kind of upset about it. But it just goes to show that RG3 broke a lot of hearts here because it's, it is really personal because no one scoffs at Magic Johnson's name being thrown in the owners, uh, you know, in the Josh Harris group or any of the other, you know, people that they've thrown out there that are possibility of minority owners, you know, coming to, 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 to buy this team. But when RG3's name comes, up it creates a story and as we all know that rg3 he's no he he will have zero type of impact as far as financial you know ownership of this team for what he's worth and what this team is going for so i don't know decision making with the with the roster like that's what i'm saying i even seen some people saying well you know he's a football guy and josh harris is going to listen to him first off let's just say this a lot of people are so jaded by dan snyder everyone's not dan snyder Every billionaire is not Dan Snyder. Every billionaire didn't get to where they are the way that Dan Snyder got where he was as a billionaire. They don't think the same. Dan Snyder is a is an anomaly amongst billionaires. Like every billionaire isn't that an incompetent, you know, as far as running a sports franchise. Josh Harris has ran, you know, he has 
two other franchises that you can point to to say, you know, this guy knows what he's doing. He, he owns the Philadelphia 76ers. He has a stake in the New Jersey Devils in hockey. I mean, this guy, obviously, he knows what he's doing as far as running sports franchises. I don't think Josh Harris is going to come to D.C. and, you know, buy a football team and say, yeah, but I got to listen to this guy, RG3. You know, he's he was a quarterback. I'm going to listen to him in this league. I'm not listening to GMs. Maybe Dan Snyder would do something like that. And Dan Snyder was buddy-buddy with RG3. So that's why I say a lot of fans are kind of jaded and they're thinking that everyone's going to kind of run this franchise the way that Dan Snyder did. And a lot of fans are kind of ignorant into how ownership works. I even seen some fans come out this week and say, man, I just found out that ownership does matter. Yeah, it really does. I mean, this is the top. You know, I literally seen people say that. You know, I mean, ownership matters, man. So I, I just don't think the RG3 and whatever little dollars that he's going to put on his uh, bid for this team and join this ownership group, I don't think he's going to have much of an impact. But it just goes to show you, as AJ mentioned, a lot of people just have a personal disdain for RG3. I mean, it's very personal. He broke a lot of hearts here. I mean, and some people just never liked him from the get-go. <laughs> Let's be honest. A, a lot of people too. had their minds made up about RG3. Even when he was balling, they were still <laughs> waiting for him to fall. And in 2013, gave a lot of people that ammo, and then it just grew louder and louder and louder to where people just really, really hate the guy now. So for me, no, it means nothing to me because, again, I don't think the ownership group that comes in here and buys this team is coming in here and saying, RG3 is my GM. I'm listening to him about all football personnel. I, really, I highly doubt that. I don't think the little bit of money that he's going to put towards this franchise is going to have any impact as far as decision-making towards future franchise moves. Now, uh, to add on to that, what everything you all said is is all fair, and I think I'd be remiss if we, if we don't acknowledge the fact that you know, everything wasn't easy when he was here. Um, and and I think to, to some extent, um, even with with all that, like that can be a reason or a part part of the reason why people have issues toward him. But at the end of the day, as so much time has moved on, whether you like at one point, all of us was wrapped in the quarterback debate. Kirk Cousins, RG, like we were wrapped and Mike Shanahan, like we were all in Kyle Shanahan. We were all wrapped into it. To some degree, like it is what it is. I even I, I had uh grew like on social media because I was finding skins fans to debate about. Like, all right, we talking, we talking ball. All right, come on, let's go. I'm gonna I'm follow you. We, we doing this until I get tired, type deal. But at the end of the day, um, as time moves on, I think any rational fan, and that's what I'm speaking to, I think any rational fan understands that like that's a moment in time. Um, it's unfortunate that the moment wasn't sustainable, the 2012 moment, because we've said this before. I, I, know, I know I've said it. That season was literally the – I mean, we said it on the show today. But that season was literally the one time where we were all we were all unified at the quarterback position. Like, there was no bickering, like, from the majority. There wasn't, like, a split fan base. It was, it was all at least 51% RG3, like. It spoke numbers through the streets. It spoke numbers at the stadium. Everybody came in to see that man play, um, and there was no disruption in terms of that. So, to I guess to, to kind of wrap it up for on my side, um, yeah, I don't have a problem with him if it was legit. Uh, the the question I would really ask myself is like, how real is it? Like, is he just talking again? Um, because I I also remember within the last year or two, uh, he he talked about a book he was about to have that come out. And that book went from a huge Twitter announcement to nothing ever coming out and him never, ever following up, uh, even providing an update about the book. 
Um, and and that was like speaking on something that was really uh at the heart of commander's fan base because they all wanted to know what was going on with Dan Snyder and the, the, the female employees that uh that he worked that he worked with or that that worked under him, excuse me. So I don't it's know right, what his it's, probably, it's probably good that book ain't come out because he wouldn't be in we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, <laughs> and, and and to that and to that extent, like you just you just never know what his what his intentions are because I don't know like if he was trying to like keep his name ringing around here just because he knew that ownership was about to come out like a new ownership change is about to happen. I don't know what he could have be thinking about or if he's legitimately involved. I don't know, uh, but at the end of the day, if it is legit and he does turn out to be around here, uh, I don't think people should be worked up over a person who's not about to like heavily influence. Uh, organizational decisions and stuff like that. It's whatever. Nobody cares, <laughs> or nobody should. And the care. only the, the only thing I care about is if it is that that uh or I mean that uh group that wins. The Magic Johnson's a part of it. Magic, go ahead, put in your little input. Let's get the star power. Like you said, ball. Like when when you had RG three that year one, and you just thought that you had it solidified going forward. There was no conversations about no backup or or what if or anything. It was like everyone was unified. Okay, you made your decision. I mean, you made your decision. It was no longer Andrew Luck versus RG3. You had your guy. I just want to get back to the days of having a guy, bro. But it, it really has never been those days for Washington. It's never been a consistent moment that you knew for sure, like you had your guy for the next five years. That's all I want solidified as a fan. I'm tired of talking about mid-ass quarterbacks. Well, Drake and AJ, we are not done with mid-ass quarterback conversations at all on this show. <laughs> no time soon. Um, and unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for us, as we go to the the our mock drafts uh, from around the national media, uh, there was no quarterback selected in the first round. Um in terms of selected for Washington. So uh, if you had to guess uh, the position, I, I have the list here. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But if you had to guess the position that majority of the analysts went at, I'm not even going to give you no multiple choice options. Uh, if you had to guess what position was that, that they went. I would say going to tackle. Okay. okay, we got cornerback and we got tackle. That's good. I was hoping we had a split. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and, and flush it out. I mean, we, we kind of have our obvious reasons for why, given the team needs. But either way, um, Dre, why do you say the majority will go tackle? And AJ, same thing for you. Why would you say uh, – I'm assuming you said defensive back, Dre. Uh, why would you say majority went that way? And AJ, for you, why would you say uh, majority went uh, tackle? Dre, you got it. Well, I'll say because I've been, you know, following mock drafts for years. And even the years that I watch the mock drafts, I look at the mock drafts, and I in those years that I don't think the cornerback, defensive back is that huge of a need, they always somehow mock that guy to Washington. And now that I think most of us as fans look at it as a glaring need on the whole or on the roster, I think that everyone else is just kind of like the analysts and all of that are also looking at the same. And plus, you know, um, I think the analysts or the mock drafters, they're also getting helped out by Ron pretty much saying that Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett is going to be the guy. So they're not going to mock quarterbacks. So I just figured cornerback would be the most logical option for a lot of those mock drafters looking from the outside in. 
AJ, why say tackle? My bad, my allergies kicked just now. But uh, I say tackle just because um, people feel like it's a glaring need of this team. I mean, of course, you want better offensive line play, uh, but based on the things that they've done in free agency, um, I guess I don't necessarily see it as a pressing need uh, at 16 overall. And also, there's a lack of elite talent at the left or right track or right tackle. Uh, I think it's just pretty much the guessing game. It's like you can just throw up any name and, and, and place them with Watson just because of the need. Um, and I think sometimes with the mock draft, uh, people think about the need more so than best player available, depending on where you pick it. And at 16, I feel like they're in a position to take the best player available. But unfortunately, you know, mockers are, are just going to go ahead and select a, a tackle in most cases. I, I think you raised uh, – both of y'all kind of essentially raised the same point. And, and, like, especially from a national perspective, you kind of get a glimpse of – if you think about it, Brad – it's, it's applicable to any type when it comes to sports. It's applicable to kind of anything, when, especially when you're on a national spotlight and you have to report on every all 32 teams in the NFL, all 28 or 29, whatever it is, in the NBA, um, like, or 30, whatever. I don't know. Can't forget. I mean, can't remember. But point is, like, when you have a national spotlight, like, you don't know every team in depth. All you need to know is, like, the what's, what's the high-level information? Uh, they need a quarterback. They need a linebacker. They need a defensive back. They need to tackle X, Y, C. This is who they need. Uh, so let's dig into these areas, and and that's where they go off of. Like that's what they talk about. And unless they're in a primetime game, and and that's all the focus uh, for the analysts, and they can look at that for one day and have so much things to say about both teams. But point being, um, to y'all's point, um, there can be so many different routes that a team can take depending on their situation in the draft and depending on where they go. And I don't think that some analysts dig deep enough. Like if you, if you have multiple mock drafts, try to try to find out the other areas and other uh, ways that, that people can go. And as I get to this list, um, the answer was defensive back. <laughs> uh, majority went defensive back. Uh, there were only like two picks that were not defensive back from this list. And we'll get to it. But two of those picks that weren't defensive backs from this list is people who thought outside the box. And I can't wait. I, I didn't read their analysis um, like fully. So I, I want to get to it on the show and we can talk about it. But uh, I'll go through the list of cornerbacks and then we'll get to the anomalies and, and read those in depth as well. So we're starting with Jordan Reed of ESPN. Um, he had Washington selecting Joey Porter Jr., the cornerback out of Penn State. Um, Bucky Brooks, same thing. Joey Porter Jr., Penn State. Ryan Wilson, excuse me, it's probably easier. So Jordan Reed of ESPN, Bucky Brooks of NFL.com, Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports. Ryan Wilson said Joey Porter Jr. <laughs> um, Keith Sanchez switched it up of the draft network, said Devin Witherspoon, cornerback of Illinois. Um, and then... <laughs> I just read his analysis. He said uh, the, the defensive line, Keith Sanchez, who who picked Devin Witherspoon, he said the de- defensive line for the commanders is one of the best in the NFL, but their secondary is one of the worst. They addressed that safety. They addressed that issue and select Devin Witherspoon 
He's a good athlete that plays physical, will be a much needed upgrade. Um, is this that's secondary? A big, that's a bit of an exaggeration, isn't it? That's where I was getting it. I was about to say, like, <laughs> who, who told him that this was one well, of the worst great, secondaries? But it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you can go from I, I, there's variations, like they're one of the best, they're a good, they're an average, they're a, a below average, they're terrible. We are not at the bottom. Like you can't you can't have a successful defense if you're one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. Like that it doesn't work like that. So that's actually a perfect example of what I was getting to. Like, who told him that they're one of the worst secondaries in the NFL? He must have just watched the first two games or the first two or three games where we were getting torched. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Uh so that is Keith Sanchez of the Draft Network, Devin Witherspoon, cornerback of Illinois, Will Brinson, CBS Sports. Um, matter of fact, I'll do Will Brinson of CBS Sports, Deontay Lee, and Nate Tice of The Athletic. They all three of them had the safety out of Alabama, Brian Branch, um, selected to Washington. And uh two more cornerbacks, and we'll get to uh the two anomalies or the two uh unique picks. Um, Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports. And Eric Edholm of NFL.com both had Washington selecting cornerback out of Maryland, Deontay Banks. Um, and since he has a one-liner, Chris Trispasso, he said his analysis was the commanders have to get stickier in coverage on the perimeter. They get an awesome athletic corner and Banks here. So here are the two anomalies uh, uh, out, of the, out of the realm of position needs. They went best player available in a sense. So – Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus selected the running back out of Texas, B. John Robinson. And Brad said the, his analysis is it's, un, it's understandable to wonder why this is the pick, um, to wonder why this is the pick with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson on the roster already. But Gibson is entering a contract year, and Commander's top personnel executives Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney had never been afraid to use Jeremy Pratt draft capital at the position in their various stops across the NFL. So I'll stop there at that one, and we'll get to the next one after that. But what do you think about Brad's pick of B. John Robinson, but also his analysis? Uh, I didn't even know about the Marty Herney and, and Martin Mayhew uh, analysis where he said that they don't they don't hesitate to spend that type of capital uh, at this position like that um, in their various stops across the NFL. So what do you all think about Brian Robinson as the shakeup uh, from that cornerback position? I mean, I can't really say that I know about, like, their past per se, what, what they do. I mean, in relation to Ron Rivera and his tenureship in, uh, excuse me, in Washington and Carolina, um, they've never taken an offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, they did select a running back by the name of Christian McCaffrey with a top 10 pick. Uh, some years ago, uh, I think with Brian, I mean with B. John Robinson, like I said, at 16, you're in a position to possibly take the best player available or trade back. If you, after acquiring Brian Robinson, which a third round pick last year, uh, losing J.D. McKissick and his ability uh, of being a pass catcher due to the fact that he might have a career-ending injury, um, and then Antonio Gibson you know, not really trusting him and handling the ball and and especially running in between tackles. Running back is probably a major concern. Um, 
because at the end of the day, you probably want to share some carries. And if you don't feel like you have a dynamic player of that nature there, why wouldn't you look at possibly a B. John Robinson who is has been known to be top five prospect in this entire draft besides quarterback? Uh, why wouldn't you give it a shot? That's value right there in itself. People want to say, oh, there's no value in taking a running back in uh, the first round. But if you're hitting on a home run guy and someone that's as shifty as B. John Robinson, who's going to complain when this guy is scoring? <laughs> if, he, if he goes for 15 touchdowns and 1,200 yards his rookie season, I mean, I feel like this offense needs as much firepower as possible. Uh, yeah, you you like the guys, Terry McLaurin. You like what Curtis Sanders can do in limited uh, roles. Jahad Dotson, I feel like, and I'll probably touch on that a little bit more, I feel like he's an okay player, but let's not act like he set, like, rookie records at the position yardage-wise. Like, yeah, he had touchdowns, but he didn't really do anything, like, super explosive. You like the traits, and you like the pairing of him with Terry, but they still need, you know, more dynamic players, especially in that running back room. I don't have the stats in front of me. Maybe, more you could pull it up if you have the time. But I don't think that B, I don't think that Brian Robinson had a run probably over 25 yards all season. Um, One that comes to mind was the Atlanta game. But let me check. Um, Robinson, yeah, I mean, just overall, if you can get – one of the best players that people think in this draft is is B. John Robinson at 16. That's a steal. 24. Uh, because I don't know if it was the Atlanta game. Had to be the Atlanta okay. game. But yeah. So so I mean, like, if you can get a guy like B. John Robinson, like I said, at 16, that that's value. One of the best players in the draft. On top of that, he can have an immediate impact to your offense and and force teams to kind of play you differently too. Cause at this moment, nobody's really threatened by I, I said it the other day. I feel like nobody's defensively, nobody's really threatened of anyone on your offense until it's proven that you have a quarterback. Look, so <laughs> listen here. B. John Robinson, uh, he's a very talented player, great, great player in Texas, great running back. And me personally, if you're asking me personally, I'm not going to advocate for him. I don't. I, I just don't value the position very highly in today's NFL. I mean, I think he's probably. I think he's going to be good at the next level. I think he's going to be possibly great at the next level. But it's just hard for me to justify putting so much value into a position that you're potentially going to get like three high years of play if that guy is really good, maybe three to four years of high level play, and you got to wonder how valuable is that to the team. Um, and I just look at, you know, when I've had arguments before in past drafts when people talk generational running backs and Saquon Barkley was one of those guys. Saquon Barkley got drafted to the Giants number two in the draft. And I mean, he's Saquon Barkley's a great NFL back, but what has that done for the Giants? And then Ezekiel Elliott is another guy. I watched Dallas pass over Jalen Ramsey in a draft that I knew that Jalen Ramsey was going to be a stud. And they drafted Ezekiel Elliott. And Cowboys have always been said to have been the, that team before a season starts, but they're never that team when the season actually plays out. And Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, while he's had a you know pretty good NFL career, it's 
led to nothing, you know, as far as Dallas Cowboys success. So when I think about a guy like B. John Robinson, like I wouldn't be mad if the team drafted him, but you got to ask where your team is overall if you're drafting a guy like Dijon, B. John Robinson. Like if you're drafting B. John Robinson, you're saying, I think my roster is pretty damn good. And I think that this guy is just a missing piece and he's going to take us to the next level that we're going to go to. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if the commander's roster is that good. Why I say if we just add a B. John Robinson, we're okay. And we're, we're going to do great things. You know, I don't know if Washington's there yet, but I think if you are talking about drafting a guy like B. John Robinson in the first round, he has to be a guy where you say, yeah, my roster is stacked everywhere else. And I can add this guy and he's just going to take us to that next level. Again, I don't know if Washington's there. So I, for me personally, I don't know if I, 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 no, I don't know. I know I wouldn't make that move. I wouldn't draft him in the first round. I would draft him in the first round if I traded back and got more assets and was able to add more to this roster. But I will say that it's not an unrealistic approach. I can actually see it happening because, as you all stated, Marty Herney was the GM for Carolina in 2017 when they drafted Christian McCaffrey. They could be looking for that type of guy. I mean, but again, they also had a Cam Newton and a team mm-hmm. that was like, you know, perennially perennially going to the playoffs and had already had made a Super Bowl appearance. You know, Washington isn't there yet. And Ron is still talking about roster building. And I don't know if that's part of roster building when you already, you know, have, you know, a decent running back room. And again, I don't value the position highly in today's NFL. So my opinion may be a little bit skewed, but I just don't see it being the logical move for the team, but I can also see it being a move that the team actually makes. Yeah. um, I'm in a space where I look at an Antonio Gibson and I say, well, multiple things. This ain't, I'm not going to start with Antonio. I'll just say the explosive part, like Washington lacks that. And uh, when you can get as many playmakers as you can to, to stack up on that offense, people who can score from distance and things like that, that's important. Uh, but now we go back to Antonio. Um, before Brian Brian got here, he was he was the he was the lead dog. Like he had some help, but he was the lead dog. And I I say I don't like he's not as fast as he is. Like I think there's a difference from people seeing a, a guy who can run a four three at his at his frame at six two two thirty. And like you know that he supposed to be dog and shit. Like you know that he supposed to be dogging on the field anytime that he's up on the field and, and making defenders feel his presence every single time that he's on the field. And sure, uh, he is good at making the first defender miss the tackle or running through the first tackle. But also think that um it's there's also some things that he misses on the field that that hurts him. And and ultimately it contributes to a person who isn't capable of, of breaking a game wide open. Like he struggles in in being able to 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 break open something that was that was built for uh fifty and he only gets twenty. Like that's what he gets. Like he he's not a person who has really like if you look at his career long rushes, the longest one was like a forty a something yarder that came in either his second season or it was the game against the Dallas Cowboys in his rookie year. Like you're you're not seeing a person uh who as fast as he is in terms of straight line speed. And we know that because of what happened in the Buffalo game, which was a pass reception for those who are listening and saying, what do you mean Antonio Gibson is an explosive? He housed one against the Buffalo Bills. Well, guess what? That wasn't a rush. He had a screen and he housed it. He used his box, set his blocks up well and housed it. And that's good. That's not a, it's not a discredit. When you're talking about a running back 
a person who is playing full-time running back now, he's going to get occasional screens here and there, right? And also a person now that the enemy is in here, you're hoping he gets implemented in the past game a little bit more. But point being, you're not seeing a person take advantage of the rush attempts, a person who is a primary a primary ball carrier for your offense. If you don't have that explosiveness, then you got to consider a person like B. John Robinson if he is there in that, that mid-round tier. Like, Dre, you mentioned – you mentioned trading back if Bijan is there, and, and and I get it. Uh, but if Washington is in the sense where they really like Bijan and they think that they can acquire assets, uh, th- like that's a risk in itself because Bijan isn't—he isn't technically supposed to make it out of sixteen. Like he's not supposed to make it out of a, a a spot as late as Washington is selecting. So like you also like trading back, you know the risk, and you know that he may not be there. If if you go back more than two spots, like you kind of have to do the math and see like what are the team needs up next. So ultimately, yeah. all in all, yep. But you know what I'm liking it too. I mean, I don't think they traded back in this situation, but the year that they acquired Jonathan Allen, he wasn't supposed to be there. At what pick 18, oh, yeah. 19 when they selected? Like everyone thought that he would be a top ten pick. Like he was one of the top five players in that draft class. Hey Dre, I don't know you muted. You said something. I was agreeing with you, AJ. He was top five in that class. Yeah, he was top five. Yeah, but he ended up dropping to 18 or 19, whatever they ended up picking, but it was like the late the late teens. And in this situation, of course, you would love to be able to trade back, but if you got your board set and this guy that you've scouted, you've looked at, you, you've done everything on tape, and – He's a top three, top five player on your board. And he's available at 16. Who's the who's to tell you that that has no value? It, it kind of boils back to how last year when we were at the draft and we we're naming all these people that we thought that they should select. Not one of us thought that it would be Jahad Dotson, but they went ahead and traded back and made that pick and told us he was he was the but we wanted that, that position on their board. We wanted a wide receiver last year. Yeah, we just we, didn't know it would be Jahan Dotson. Yeah, we definitely wanted a wide receiver. I mean, we know Maul. He wanted Drake London. Uh, I think, Dre, you probably was on the Olave or Garrett. No, Wilson I was on train. Wilson in London. I was on Wilson okay. in London. I and I was on Jameson Williams uh, train or whatever. Not one time in my mind that I think Jahan Dotson was going to be a first-round pick for Washington. But it ended, it ended up happening. Obviously, there's some – <laughs> there's some dynamic to where we really don't know what they're going to do with their board overall uh, yeah. and, and how they, they like these players, even if you look at the mock, because it, it's definitely some different critiquing going on over there. But see, here's where I push back. And my pushback is that, yeah, you're right in that D- B. John Robinson, you know, he's, you know, top, he's, he's, a, I guess, talent wise in the top five somewhere amongst their ranks but i'm going back to positional value again with my stance in that i just don't value the position highly enough to say that even if we were to trade back and not get this guy like i wouldn't feel like it was like this oh 
the greatest miss ever. Now, if he turns out to be Adrian Peterson, I'm wrong as a sad song. Like, you know, I'll take that. But if he's not Adrian Peterson, then I just don't feel like that I'm, you know, that much, you know, I was that off or that far off with the stance in that I'm just not, you know, valuing that position enough to feel like I'm missing out on something if I don't get the guy. You know, again, I do feel like, you know, he's a talent. He's going to add something to a team. But how much is he adding to the team? And again, I'm going back to the roster of the team. Like, do you feel like this commander's roster with B. John Robinson wins you a game in the playoffs? Like, are they winning a game in the playoffs? Are they threatening the Eagles? Are they threatening the 49ers in the conference with B. John Robinson? And the reason I'm asking is because if he's not threatening them this year, you only have a small window with B. John Robinson to threaten him. You know, if he's your main guy, if he's your offensive guy, if he's a skilled guy, you know, the window's not that far open because he's not a quarterback. He's at a position that has a really, really low ceiling. So that's what I'm looking at when I'm looking at a B. John Robinson. And again, I wouldn't be upset if they drafted a B. John Robinson. But at the same time, as I said before, I just don't think it's the most rational or the logical move at 16 just because he's a great running back. I've seen great running back, even Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he's on a great team now. But when he played with Carolina, Carolina did nothing. And he's one of the best. He's been a top two or three running back in the NFL since he's joined the league. So that's what I'm saying. The position just doesn't bring much value for me. Well, let's uh go ahead and transition to another position. Um, well, last thing I want to say because I, I, I that's what I, I was trying to say that beforehand. Um, last thing I would say is I completely, uh, even though I'm talking about the explosive thing, I completely understand the contract thing, and that's why I think that Washington should, regardless of which round, they need to be looking at uh, somebody who can compete uh, for that starting spot, starting running back spot regardless of which round they do go I, I'm, I'm not saying first should be the one but if you can find somebody in that third or fourth round and you want to give them a fair shot to, to compete against brian and antonio specifically because of antonio's contract year and you can challenge somebody or challenge him out of all people then go for it i'm here for it but um the next position is from mike tannenbaum of espn he has washington selecting dalton Kin- kincaid a tight end out of utah um his analysis is the commanders are loaded at every offensive skill position besides tight end, although Logan Thomas is flashed. Kincaid is yet to work out for teams, but proved incredi- incredibly productive last season, catching 70 passes for 890 yards and eight touchdowns. Look no further than 16 receptions for 234 against USC to see how effective he can be as a receiver. I think Kincaid can immediate or would immediately upgrade and impact the commander's offense, provide Sam or Jacoby and or Jacoby with a reliable target. Fellas, what are we thinking about tight end? Those are the two running back and tight end are the two uh, change ups and mock drafts from national media members um, around the NFL. So what do you all think about Kincaid and tight end? See, that's one I'm not mad at. I mean, I'm, I'm not, not to say that I was mad at the B. John Robinson because I'm not going to be mad at adding a towel like B. John Robinson. It just wouldn't be high on my priority list. But the tight end pick, I would love it. I mean, not to say I, I would love cornerback in an offensive lineman more than the tight end, yes, but I would not be upset with the tight end pick there because that's a position you could solidify for years, and that's an important position on the field, and, it, and it, especially whenever you bring your quarterback. I don't know when you get the quarterback in, 
but usually a really good tight end as a quarterback's best friend. And we've also seen Eric Bieniemy operate in the offense with one of the game's greatest tight ends that we've probably already ever seen in uh, Kelsey. You know, so if we can bring in a guy, even without, you know, the quarterback position being solidified or anything, but that tight end, even if he's playing with a Sam Howell and a Jacoby Brissett, He's he, he he automatically becomes a really good option and a really good target and someone that makes those guys feel comfortable and at least can place hold the spot. Or, you know, in Sam Howell's case, if he's anything more than what we all know, I mean, he, he will he'll love an option like that to have, you know, at the tight end position. So, no, I would not be upset at that at all. I like that option actually more than a running back option, even with with a talent like B. John Robinson on the board. Because, like I said, we've seen what great tight ends do to quarterbacks in this league. Like any quarterback could tell you that most of the time the tight end is their best friend. I mean, like you said, you got Mahomes and, you know, Kelsey. You know, we've seen it over the years, man. Like the big tight end targets, those guys last for years – and they don't just go out. They don't just go pass catching. They don't just, you know, make themselves available as targets. They're they're integral in the run game. They're integral with blocking. You know, they're, they're decoys on a lot of plays. So, you know, you give me a guy like that, and you tell me he can last around here for years and years, I'm taking that guy all day. I'm not mad at that, that pick at all. That's actually probably my third favorite pick out of uh, all positions in the draft for the commanders. So, so Dre, if, if they took the Dalton KK, what's, what's your expectations of a tight end being picked at 16th overall? Oh, I, I expect this guy to, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I don't expect him first year to go out there and be all pro, but if I'm taking a tight end in the first round, he has to be all pro at some point in his career. You know, he has to be that guy and he has to be that guy on this team. Like with Kyle Pitts with Atlanta, I mean, I was a big fan of Kyle Pitts in Florida. I just never felt like Atlanta used him right. But that's a guy I look at and I say that guy was supposed to be generational at that position. Now, if you pick one at 16, I'm not going to say he should be generational. I'm not going to hold him to the standard or the expectations that I have of Kyle Pitts. But I expect him to at least be somewhere, you know, in the in the really in the, maybe the top five, the, the top seven range of tight ends in the NFL. Like that's the expectation. I wouldn't expect that of him year one, but throughout his career in his era, I would expect him to be one of the top five to seven guys at the position in the NFL. And, and you see that out of him so far, like uh, as far as like just overall. I didn't see it out of Kelsey in college. I don't think you did. Would you? Would you say you saw it out of Kelsey coming out of college? Because I don't think he was the first. Kelsey wasn't a first round pick, was he? No, I don't. I mean, he was a he was a second round pick, but uh, but not a lot of tight ends are first round picks. Yeah, and and most of the guys in the league that make up like the the top tight ends that we think of are later picks or second third round picks. Uh, I think with Kelsey, Cincinnati just started getting more recognition uh, recognition as far as uh, their football program. So now we're paying more attention. But I wasn't paying attention to anything coming out of Cincinnati at that time. So <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and champion for, for Kelsey. I think that's just where that's, – that's the funny thing about where Washington stands in this draft. Like they're in a position where you may just get a, a role player you may not get someone that's going to push you over the edge. And that's where I feel like the conversation of Bijan keeps happening. And some people are, are taking him there in these mocks because at 16, it's like you'd have missed out on possibly what you, you need and, and probably want in cornerback 
at Christian Gonzalez. Uh, Joey Porter has some flaws to him that I don't think really would mesh well with this organization. The other guy at corner, Devin Weatherspoon, would probably be gone. So it's like it's a toss-up at 16. And the only thing you feel feel like is a lot per se, I mean, it still could end up going wrong. But as far as talent-wise and translating to the next level, uh, you feel good about is a B. John Robinson if he's there at 16, even though we, we try to be value running backs. But I feel like if we looked at the playoffs this year, the teams that were most successful had a had a, had an incredibly great running attack in those games. I wouldn't say the Chiefs did, did they? You, the Chiefs did what? Had a, a like a real yeah, successful old, yeah. running attack. That boy Pachanko, yeah, Pachanko, he took yeah, that, he took that off, He's off nice. to another level. But he was he was a what third, fourth round pick. You know what I mean? Nah, like, he, he was, was undrafted. A, he was a seventh. He, he yeah, was yeah, then you go. I thought he was, was a seventh round pick. pick. Yeah, he was and I watched him at Rutgers. He played at Rutgers. I watched him. <laughs> hey, it's crazy. Yeah, I watched him at Rutgers too. But yeah, I mean, I definitely seen the speed. I seen they had power and speed, but I didn't think it would I didn't think he would do what he did in Kansas City. Not hey, that right. it was like all pro. That's why that's, that's, that's where coaching coaching matters. Shanko was sent my ass through the goddamn through a goddamn brick wall, bro. The way he run, bro. If I try to tackle that man, I'm I'm going at least 15 yards trying to tackle that fool, bro. He he run, he's too explosive, bro. But it's crazy, good for them. And, and I think to, to AJ's point, um, I, I get it. Like, in terms of your opinion, like you you feel like there's not like there's is is lacking like that first round, and especially where Washington sits in the middle of the draft pick. I mean, in the middle of the draft round is is lacking a bit. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I get I get Kincaid, but I only get Kincaid if you can get him on a trade back. That's one of the people where I'm like, okay, you can you can mess with him on a trade back. Um, if you can get him in the, the mid twenties, if not early twenties, I don't know. Um, depends on what you can acquire. Uh, but uh, it's it's a little tricky. Um, I, I understand. I think my thing is when when people say Washington Council on Washington Washington Council on Logan Thomas is in line blocking, um, the first thing that popped in my head is like, have y'all seen? Look, that can't be that can't be true. Like, <laughs> they don't count on Logan Thomas for his in line blocking. Like, they count on him because he's a receiver who can who whose biggest asset is being able to 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 go up and get a football. Like, he ain't the best route runner. He's a stiff body. Um, but he got strong hands and he, he can take big hits. Like that's literally what Logan Thomas does. And you're telling me, you're trying to convince me that, uh, he's needed for his inline blocking. I don't agree. And the reason why I bring that up is like Kincaid isn't one of the best inline blockers. Like he needs to get, he needs to get functionally stronger. He needs to get better with his play strength. Um, he also has to get his little, he has to get his technique better as well. Like he's not, he's not that good as a, as an inline blocker. Uh, he's good on the perimeter. He's good in the screen game. He's good when he gets his hands on DBs, but like inline blocking is where he struggles. But if you're counting on Logan Thomas for inline blocking, then you need to seriously consider Dawson Kincaid if you're looking at the tight end position because he's a guy who offers more athleticism uh, and, and more quickness than Logan Thomas as a pass pass uh, catcher. Uh, he's he he does a lot more after the catch. Like Logan Thomas makes plays as a yak guy, but Logan Thomas is usually like just running people over or running through people. But Kincaid can do a lot more than just run run through people. Um, and you have to consider that as well. And uh, when I see him move, like his shiftiness reminds me of Travis Kelsey. 
I'm not talking about as a route runner. I'm talking about after the catch. Like he is a shifty, he is a shifty player in that in that sense. And um, Washington doesn't really have that. Um, they don't have that at the tight end spot. And, and you can really use that as a person who who's going to catch a lot of hitches and a lot of curls and a lot of quick outs, uh, stick routes. Uh, like if you're going to get somebody who does that for your offense, he should be able to make that first guy miss. And I think Kincaid can do that. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm I'm all in on, on Kincaid at 16, but I do think he's valuable considering the tight end spot. And you have one person, excluding Logan Thomas, one person who has uh, enough experience on that roster, and that's John Bates. And he's never started really. He's really never had a full season as a starter before. Um, and I believe he's entering his third year now, but he's never really had a full season as a starter. So when you look at a person in John Bates and you look at Logan Thomas, two guys with experience, but Logan Thomas, who's been hurt the last two years, who the hell else do you got? And I'm a big fan of Cole Turner. After I watched him, I'm a huge fan of Cole Turner. I know what he can do. And Armani Rogers, like he's the athletic tight end that Scott Turner failed to get him involved in the offense. But that doesn't mean stop adding to the group because you don't have anything right there yet. You don't have uh, – uh, anything solidified at that spot like people are still trying to make a name for themselves and be that tight end one so consider it and and, and i'm here for it but at 16 nah but if you can get them in the mid-20s late 20s um or in the 20s period go for it go hey, for it qu- quick question if if uh if you had to pick between king uh king k uh first round or possibly getting darnell Washington from georgia second round which which one would you prefer? I right, oh my bad. Say that one more time. You said who would if you had the option. Let, who, let's say page? yeah, between Darnell Washington, the tight end out of Georgia, six eight, like two sixty, run a four five or some shit like that, and uh, Ken K and taking him in the first round, but you could possibly get Darnell in the second. Which one would you prefer? I would go with the honestly, he. I would go with Washington out of Georgia, um, and that's because I mean the tight end position. While I don't value the running back position high, the tight end position is not that much higher either. It's higher than the running back position for me. <laughs> but if you could tell me that I can get a guy that he may not be as good or great as that guy that can go in the first round. But he's going to give you some really good production at the position, and he's going to be a starter. I'm taking that guy because I can get another position at the first round, you know, that can really, really impact or help this team for years to come as well. But again, I'm still taking the tight end over the running back position. If you have a good tight end prospect versus a good running back prospect, I'm going to take the good tight end prospect all day because the tight end prospect has more longevity and longer staying power in his league. And he's going to help the most important position on your team in that being the quarterback position. So yeah, Darnell Washington, if I don't have to spend a first round pick to get a guy that's not, he's probably not going to be a great or someone I may consider to be a Hall of Fame level, but someone that can actually solidify the position and come in and do what I need him to do with that position, I'll take the second round position, the second round pick, the tight end position over the first round uh, position. So that question, give me the Washington key out of Georgia. Who was the who was the first round? I, I I missed it again when you said it. I heard Darnell second round, but who was the first round? Oh, pick? the first round was the Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. That we've been talking about. Good question. Um, damn, that's a good one. 
Um, because I, I, I guess food, I guess what great. I'm yeah I guess what I'm doing with some of these position groups is just is there that big of a separation? That that's really what. Well, Darnell, I don't think Darnell about to create any separation on the next level. Like I don't think he he ain't that. Like, you got scheme him open. Like, so I don't know. Like, but you know, you know he gonna, you know he got the he got the frame to box out anybody, and he got the he got the he got the hands to, to go up and get something. But like that man moved five miles an hour when he ran his routes, bro. Like I'm about to say, them six foot eight dudes kind of scared me at the tight end position because we just had the the Montez dude, the basketball but, player. He was like six eight, wasn't he? But he's a phys- <laughs> he's a physical blocker, and it's like you can like if you want in line blocking Washington, like you know who you need to go get, and that's what Darnell is. So if they went second, put it this way, I'll answer your question this way: if if they want to improve their in line blocking, and they they really want that to be a focal point, I say go Darnell second round and live with him being able to make like two catches a game and and go from there like it is what it is um what about you aj I, i'll be back in two seconds but what about you what you go uh, i mean i think for me uh i think ken k can play but i i'm just not really i guess i'm also looking at the future right they probably gonna need if they don't address the tight end in the first or or whatever round this year, and it's not someone that can make an impact, I think that they'll be looking for uh, a tight end again next year. Uh, and depending on what happens with this quarterback situation, I think uh, I like the kid Brock Bowers out of Georgia a lot. Uh, some people are saying even this year they like the Michael Mayer dude. I'm not really a fan of him. I don't really see him separate as much. But I think – that's the that's the interesting part about being at sixteen, man. They could do so many different things, and they also could possibly Brock trade is back. cold. Brock Bowers, yeah. I, I love Brock, bro. Yeah, he's nice. So, I mean, I think it just all really depends on how they envision it. But that's where I thought that this team should have went after Darren Waller at, at tight end. At least if it don't work, you can get rid of him next year. But I. I I mean, what he went for a third round pick to to the Giants. They had a guy like that within their tight end room. Cause I'm not really looking for my tight end to necessarily block. Like this ain't this ain't 1991. Like <laughs> I'm looking for my 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 tight end to pretty much be an extension of my wide receiver room at this point, especially within this type of offense that they're trying to run. But um, it's the last thing I say we get to our mantra. Um Travis Kelsey, he can block. And and they he's obviously touted for his receiving skills, but Travis can block. So like they it, we don't we probably don't talk about it because of that Chiefs offense and how how uh efficient he is in the air, but like they probably do Eric probably does want somebody who can who can give the effort and sustain a block for like two seconds at least. Give him like two seconds, bro. Um all right, so who wants to go up in the first mock draft, man? I, I figured uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see who wants to take the first stab at it. Uh, I got everything set up on my side. Uh, we're doing, I guess we'll start off with, with one round a day. Um, we got four more before the draft takes place. So um, we'll do the two rounds uh, moving forward. But this is the free trade one that AJ sent me from Pro Football Network. Um, so who wants to take the first stab at this one? 
uh with the with the with the mantra. I'll go for it. All right. So let me go ahead and share my screen so the people watching can take you a look at this. The one? Yeah, the jump the no, the one that you sent in uh, the group chat. Okay. Which that's Pro Football Network. Um share the screen. Boom, boom, and boom. All right. And let me make sure. I won't go work. All right, that should work. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead and hit restart on the draft. Damn. All right, there we go. Restart on the draft. Yes, we're gonna restart. We're gonna go to NFC East. Move this and start simulation. Normal. All right, boom. Here we go. So for those that are listening, draft is started. AJ is up. Um, I'll read once we get to 16 who has been selected and then who is available for AJ. I wish I had some music, some fame music, bro. <laughs> All right, so let's hide this and we'll get back to the trade offers. <laughs> hey, bro. <laughs> so we got here we go. We'll read them off. CJ Spr- CJ Stroud, Bryce Young in order. Uh CJ to the Carolina, Bryce Young to Houston, Will Anderson. Uh, to the Arizona Cardinals, Will Levis, top four pick. Okay, to the uh, to the Indianapolis Colts, Paris Johnson, um, to Seattle Seahawks, Anthony Richardson, Detroit Lions, Broderick Jones, to the Las Vegas Raiders, Tyree Wilson is off the board to Atlanta, Miles Murphy, Houston, Jackson Smith and Jigwa to Philly, Jalen Carter to Tennessee, Jordan Addison, Chicago, Devin Witherspoon. Buffalo, Joey Porter Jr., New England. A string of corners off the board before AJ gets his stab at it. Joey Porter Jr., New England, Christian Gonzalez to Baltimore. And now AJ is up at pick 16. He does have Steve a trade offer. for B. John Robinson. I think I might want you to uh, do the PFF simulator. This simulator, wow. You can't get B. John? Come on, AJ. No, nah, I can I can get I can get him, man. I'm just, uh, show me the plays that's available. I'm just saying they did the right. trades and everything. Baltimore have moved up. So we're gonna like, go to. Oh, maybe I maybe you can fix this and take the trades off. I would imagine. Um, okay. So who you have on the board right now? You have Bijan Robinson, next best player available. Um, Brian Reese, Peter Skaronski, Skr- Brian Branch. And Luke Van Ness, those are your next five of your best available players. And I can keep scrolling if you need me to. Nah, I don't need you to go ahead and take, <laughs> take uh, your boy. Let me, matter of fact, let okay. me see. Let me see the trades. Okay, you have a trade offer. Uh, moving with the New York that. Giants, rejected. Okay, rejected. so we're going to reject uh, that. And you had one trade offer that was that. Let one. me propose a trade. Propose. Uh, let me. Damn, they make me pick a fucking team. How do how do I know the team? Uh, let Let's me go to the results. Let's see. That's what uh, you got. Charges at twenty one. Keep going. Keep going down a little bit more. Uh, okay. Let me let me go to the charges. Let me try to get a trade. Charges. Okay. We're gonna uh, go ahead and propose. I propose my sixteenth, my sixteenth overall pick. Let me get the 21st, and then let me get the 54th second-round pick. Propose. Confirm. 
declined. <laughs> okay. Go go back to three. You said try again, buddy. Same uh, thing? No, no, no. Nah. Go to uh damn. Yeah, go load Go, to, Jackson, go like to Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Pick 24. All right. So we got so the 16, 16 24. Yep. And 56. And their second rounder for the Jacksonville Jaguars to move up eight spots. The question is, who would they need to trade up for? Um, but let's go ahead and hit the confirm. Right, you got to do a third round pick if you want to do that. You may have to yeah, ask. I ain't, I ain't doing that. Already <laughs> gave up one for Carson Wentz, bum ass. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and take. I'm gonna take Bijan Robinson at Bijan. Okay, so right after was Peter Skaronski. They probably okay. Cam Smith. Luke Van Ness goes to Seattle. I heard this, 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 I forgot who proposed this, but it was really, really solid idea. I like the idea of, uh, what's that boy? Anthony Richardson, if he makes it to Seattle, uh, them drafting him. Um, because now, uh, Drake, you up, by the way, you up next. Um, but I like the idea of Anthony Richardson going to Seattle. Cause like, think about the, think about how much success Geno Smith just had post, uh, Russell Wilson era. And you get two years or a year or two to learn under Geno um, and to learn in that system. And given that Geno is only on like what a, a true two year deal, bro, like that's a that's a hell of a spot to land if, if I'm Anthony Richardson. Okay. All right, boom. So here I think we go. The, P- the PFF joint better though. I ain't really fooled with it too much because I thought we'd be able to get some trades, but they was hating on my trades. That's that's why you that's why that's why you said that. They didn't. They'd have made all these trades before you even had a chance to pick. Right. Okay. Like, look, even in this joint, like it looked like Green Bay had moved up. Atlanta now that I think back. about it, why didn't you accept? Why didn't you accept the Giants' joint? Because the Giants' joint was from sixteen yeah. to twenty-five. Give the yeah, rest. Is, is it on me? Yeah. yeah this is the offer. You, you have three like, offers. You have three. I ain't want to trade. I ain't want to trade with New York. Let me see all the <laughs> trades. If it was the Jets, I would have traded. Okay, so let me go ahead and hide this, and I'll just do because that's going through fifteen draft picks is one thing. I'll go through the last five. Um, so before Washington picked for Dre, uh, before Dre picks for Washington, off the board is Christian Gonzalez at ten to the Philadelphia Eagles, Broderick Jones at eleven to the Tennessee Titans, Will Levis at twelve to the Atlanta Falcons, Peter Skaronski thirteen, New York Jets, Brian Brees, uh, fourteen to the New England Patriots, Jackson Smith and Jigba fifteen to the Green Bay Packers. Dre has three trade offers. We're going to go through the first one. Well, he's, he wants to see the next two. But the first one was the New York Giants. Uh, the New York Giants are offering pick 25, pick 57, and their 2024 second for Dre's 16th and their and his 97th pick. Um, so we're going to put that on pause. We're going to go to the next one. Dre has... <laughs> hey, AJ, look at the, look at the screen, bro. <laughs> Dog, I just that's what I'm saying. He just offered them, they said fuck that. But see, just, the I draft didn't go Jacksonville's thing. way in AJ's scenario. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. You know what I'm saying? Um like, that's flu. Jacksonville so, like somebody at 16. So for those listening, Washington, uh Jacksonville is, is asking for Washington's 16th pick. Uh, and Jacksonville is offering the 24th and the 56th, literally the same trade that AJ tried to propose in his time. <laughs> 
Um, we're gonna go to the last one. AJ. Uh, it went a little different. Oh my. Okay. Well, that's a twenty twenty four. I don't like that. I don't like that. Moving back one spot. No. All right. So those listening. Uh, Pittsburgh offered AJ. Pittsburgh offered Dre. Uh, the the seventeenth overall pick. Basically, moving back one spot, and they're gonna give him a third round pick for twenty twenty four. Uh, I like the second one. Give, give me the second okay. one. I'll take the second one. So we're going to reject this one, and we're going to accept the Jacksonville's we'll offer. Take that one. Okay, Asshole. boom. So now they select <laughs> Brian Branch. Jordan Addison moves on. Isaiah Pokey, uh, Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, he's still going to be Johnson. able to get Bijan. You got another oh, you got trade. A, you got another trade offer. You have two so, trade offers. Um, I don't want You're that. basically moving yourself out of the first round. With this I don't one. want that. Okay, so yeah. for those who but are you listening. Get, you have – you would have three second round picks, but I can have one and first second, round and two second round picks. picks. So let's see. I'll have this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you would get a third. That's not a bad trade, but I don't want that. That's though. a That's great a trade. trade. So, so That's let's see. Trade, so New England is offering Dre uh, the the 46 pick, the seventy six pick, and a twenty twenty four second for the twenty fourth pick. We're going to move to the second one where the Arizona Cardinals offers Dre. Uh, their 34th pick and their 66th pick for um, Washington's first rounder, and basically a high, a high second at 34. Um, but Washington's first rounder, and then pick 233. If he does the trade with Cardinals, let's see play. who's on the board too. I don't want that. I don't want that. We have B. Ooh, B. John slapping. See, I'm taking B. John. I'm gonna make AJ happy here because okay. I can nah, take B. John. You're not Robinson, making me happy. And I have you also got your boy King K. I would take I would take the Patriots offer. So you have Bijan, Deontay, Dalton Kincaid, um, Anton Harrison, and Michael Meyer. Nolan Smith. Yeah, Nolan Smith too. So you got some offers. Tra- you I got some people. Back. I would have I would have three second round picks where I could address everything. I ain't listening. Well, Dre, what I you want to do? I ain't listening Dre. to Egypt because <laughs> a first round pick. <laughs> And I got a second round. I got two second round picks. I already done traded back. I got two second round picks, and I got a first round pick. So all New England doing is just giving me three second round picks and a third round pick in this draft. But that's fine. Because and a second next year. We're in this mock so draft. We're not it, going up. Use it next round. year, next month. So reject. So AJ, <laughs> I need to maximize my picks for this <laughs> draft. Oh, we're we not doing a third round. round. Yeah. Now, okay. so I'm not taking that pick. I'm staying at 24. Reject. Okay. We're going to reject the Cardinals. I'm drafting B. John Robinson here okay. because it's not 16, and I got an extra second-round pick. I'm taking B. John Robinson. So we get B. John, two B. John picks from A.J. and Dre. Uh, A.J. gets him at 16. Dre finds a way to get him at 24. Um, and we get Bijan on our first two mock drafts. You got assets. You, you did exactly what I wanted to do. And them, Absolutely. They, they block you. Because <laughs> the draft didn't go their way, AJ. Like, Jacksonville ain't like nobody because all their players went. <laughs> I see. I know they need a quarterback. That's why I was trying to trade back with them. All right. Where am I at, man? What money they can I make? A corner. What money can I make at 16? Baby, I know I'm going to get some offers. Um, See, this okay, more realistic. This looks so, more realistic. So, we have from 10 to 15, we have Jalen Carter off the board at 10. Uh, to, to Philly, we have Devin Witherspoon at 11 to Tennessee, Jackson Smith and Jigba 12 to Houston, Brian Branch 13 to New York. Uh, the Jets, Will Levis. Wow, 
to Kentucky, uh, from Kentucky to the Patriots, and then Isaiah Foskey uh, to the Green Bay Packers. I have two trade offers. Um, fellas, I have the Saints on the line. They are offering me their 29th pick and their 40th overall uh, for the 16th pick and pick 150. Uh, so basically moving back 13 spots. Um, my next pick, okay, the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys. Um, offering me to move back 10 spots, pick 15, and their 2024 second round pick, and I'm giving up my first rounder, and I'm giving up pick 97. Do it, do it. Um, do it. Who was on the board? We had Bijan. That was trying to come up to get Bijan. Peter Skaronsky, Jordan Addison, Luke Van Ness. Jordan Addison. Let me get him. Joey Porter Jr. It's actually kind of crazy. Um, Darnell Wright's still up there, too. Darnell. Right, Anton Harris. Dalton Kincaid is up there. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid. Um, I know that Jay, uh, that Joey Porter isn't going to make it to twenty six, but I like, I like the. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and decline the Saints jump because I don't want to move back thirteen spots. Yeah, it's too far. But mm. pick twenty six, I'm interested in uh, with them giving me uh, the fifty eighth and a second round next year which is pretty strong and they're my division rival. So it's like, do I want to, I feel like they have to, let's see if I can counter. Can I counter? Let's see what I can get from them. Um, Fourth. Go for their first rounder, but give them like next year's second rounder. Fourth. You say, oh, no, they ain't going to go for that. <laughs> they they go probably would if you moved off the second for next year. You said if I moved off the second. If you moved off the second for next year, okay. That's for the first. Let's see. And I give him my third. Um, take off that fourth. Let's see. Fuck oh. y'all. <laughs> that third, they didn't want that third. He said, fuck that third. <laughs> I'm gonna try one more counter. I'm gonna go for Dallas's fourth round pick. Next year, and I'll offer them uh, a fifth for next year and see if they bite on that. Decline, respect. <laughs> but what I'm going to do, because y'all decline all my offers, I'm going to reject your trade offer to go up 10 spots. <laughs> You're being petty. <laughs> yeah, I'm being petty. Um, y'all, don't de- y'all don't deserve pick 16. So I'm going to decline y'all, and I'm going to go ahead and go with Joey Porter Jr. out of Penn State at 16. I'm not mad at Somehow that. he made it out of that. Um. Okay, boom. So we have two B. John Robinson picks at 16 and at 25. And then we have Joey Porter Jr. at pick 16, uh, declining two trade offers on the board uh, to, to move out of that spot and move back. Um, so we're going, I guess we'll go ahead and get some, I'll, I'll try to get some screenshots together, some edits together. Um, and we can put out our, put out our uh, picks. Um for the simulator, but yeah, there it is. Our first wrap. Next one, we'll be doing two rounds. Um, and we'll try to get uh, uh, uh Logan Paulson on. I told you I was gonna try to get that guy on, so um, try to get him on next show as well. We can get a, a mock draft going with him as well. Um, and talk a little bit ball in depth with some, some prospects too. Uh, fellas, before we get out of here, let's get a little brief 
spotlight on some uh, uh one player will do this throughout the, the month of april as well one one spotlight on a player that you're interested in doesn't even have to be a first round pick it could be a, a person that you all you have some info on and, and and that they really intrigue you well maul you actually chose the guy that i like um i mean well i wouldn't say he's my number one on the board but he's a guy that i would love to have and that's joey porter jr i mean i just feel like you look at his physical stature I mean, he has the the prototypical corner size in today's NFL. He's huge. He has the length. I mean, he plays very physical. I know there's um, a little bit of questions about fit as far as how he fits in with the commanders. But, I mean, he's a he's a press man guy. He's very successful at press man. I also think he can be successful in zone, but obviously you're more better suited with him playing more man concepts. And Jack Del Rio, I mean, you know, as much as we talk about him, he did kind of tweak his defense. I mean, it was more, uh, it was a lot more zone play in 2021, but in 2022, I felt like they played a lot more uh, matchup zones, like a, 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 a more uh, man principles and zone concepts. So, so I think a cover, guy like jo- uh, Joey Porter, he would be able to come in. He, he he would be able to adapt to that. And I also think that, you know, the defensive coaches around him, would it would probably see what he's good at and would let him play his way without compromising the rest of the second secondary. But I would love to have Joey Porter Jr. here. I mean, he's a guy I watched um a lot at Penn State the past year. I mean, obviously he has the NFL pedigree with his dad being a great player for the Steelers and a guy we all know. But I mean, I just feel like he's a guy that I watched and I would love to have him at corner because I feel like he fits that prototypical corner in today's game, that big, that fast. He, he's very athletic and he would he he has the potential, in my opinion, to be a top five guy at his position in the NFL if he reaches that max potential. AJ, I'll uh, I'll give you the last word on this one. Um, I'll go next right quick, and I'll go offensive line. Um, we haven't talked about any, I, I don't think, um, on this episode specifically. Uh, I'll go Osiris Torrance. Um, I I love his game from the standpoint of, like, he, he is that bully uh, that you need in the interior or that you would like in the interior. Uh, but also, I like the fact that uh, he has, like, the, the strength and – uh, he also has like the technique and um, in his pass sets, uh, he's able to uh, have the, like the initial quickness that you need to to get off the line in in the zone run game. Um, you know the use of hands, like he has some uh, some pro things in his toolbox that you can really respect. Like he has an answer for counters. Uh, I'm not saying he has an answer for every counter, but he he has multiple moves like outside of his initial uh placement um and, and that works in both the run game and the pass game uh i respect his feet work or footwork um i like how he really plays as a as a double teamer or or when he's doing the combination blocks i really like that uh, and how he played at florida uh and, and overall I, I just think that uh he's a, a solid offensive lineman from the interior and he can really help you especially on the left side of the ball or the ball where washington doesn't have an answer yet uh, he can really be that person who clears away in the run game and, and really be a, a consistent as, uh, asset for your offensive line and really grow into a, a potential, uh, I'm not going to say uh, all pro or, or Hall of Fame or anything like that, but he can reach a Pro Bowl uh, in the NFL if he's in the right system. Um, I think the thing that really hurts him, though, is while he has some good strengths uh, and he has some good positives to him, uh, he has to get a little bit better with his processing when it comes to line games, 
uh, when you ask a, a guy, an offensive lineman, to be uh, quick on their feet with those those run stunts and those pass stunts and things like that, he can be a little bit slow with that. Um, sometimes he's not that quick laterally, and that can get him out, and that hurts when he's already out of position. Like he can't recover that well. Um, but also he struggles uh, against some of those speed to power rushers, maybe even some pure uh, power rushers who are who are really good in their power rushes uh, with his anchor. And, and that can also be a problem as well. If you if you have that core strength that isn't there where it needs to be against those power guys, um, you can give up a little bit too much penetration in the backfield. And uh, sometimes he struggles to re-leverage his hands against those type of athletes and those type of power rushers. So um, from a processing standpoint, work on the stunts uh, and work on the stunt pickups, but also has to get a little bit better with his anchor, uh, among some other things. But there are small things that he can improve upon. Um, athletically, he's not like a nimble footwork guy, but he's good enough for the interior. Um, so that's kind of what I'm uh, impressed about with Osiris Torrance. I really like his game. Um, and and I, he's a guy where I really would be okay with Washington selecting if he made his way to pick 16 at that too. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Osiris Torrance. AJ, you got the last word on this. Who is your guy? Yeah. Uh... One of my guys is probably a, a guy that you haven't really heard much of if you're paying close attention to the draft. And uh, a lot of these pundits focus on first and second round picks uh, primarily. I feel like with Washington, uh, they have several needs on the offensive side of the ball. And one of those position groups as well as wide receiver. Um, Curtis Samuels going into his last year's contract. Uh, also provides certain things that a lot of other uh, wide receivers within the group don't provide, but I still think that they need someone else to be able to rely on in case something were to happen. You know, God forbid, Terry McLaurin during the season, John Dotson. But just in general, they don't really have a wide receiver that you could truly count on and, and know that will step up um, at that position outside of Terry, Jahan, Curtis, you now go into the pool of a Diami Brown, uh, Dax. Um, I don't even know who else is on the wide receiver uh, roster at this point. Or the sign, Matt Kemp, uh, that used to play for Kansas City. You you lost Camp Sims to, to the Raiders. So my guy is Jonathan Mingo, a wide receiver out of Ole Miss, 6'2", uh, about 225 pounds, uh, runs about a 4'4". Four, a four, a uh, five runs about a four, four, five. Um, to me, he's just not raved about because of the fact of poor quarterback, uh, quarterback play at Ole Miss. But you're talking about a guy that reminds me exactly of AJ Brown. Like, I'm talking about a pure replica of AJ Brown. Uh, if you remember, AJ Brown also came out of Ole Miss and really didn't get utilized as much as he should have. Aaron Ole Miss alongside a DK Metcalf and Elijah Moore. Um, but with Jonathan Mingo, he can separate. He runs very Chris Rouse. He's electric, uh, great separation, strong hands, um, can play outside and in the slot. I think he's just a, he's just going to be an amazing talent on the NFL level in a, in a steal. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go for sure, but I'm pretty sure his name is going to start rising up the boards as we get closer to the draft. So he possibly could creep up into the second round. But if you can get a guy like that to add to the mix of what you already have and, and probably definitively getting 
your your slot wide receiver or somebody that also brings big play opportunities to that room. Um, I would love for Washington to be able to acquire a guy, Jonathan Mingo. Uh, if you get a chance, try to go watch some of his highlights and you'll see A.J. Brown immediately when you put on the tape. Shoot, he may just be my – I had A.T. Perry up next, but I may just look at Mingo um, before Perry. I'm looking at Marvin Mims currently, but I may just look at uh, uh, what's his name again? Mingo. Uh, I may look at Mingo. Mingo. Yeah, I may look at this Mingo next. Then I I'd love to see a little AJ Brown there, especially at the same alma mater. That's cool. Um, okay, all right, fellas, that's gonna wrap it up for us, man. Um, that's it for this week. Uh, as always, man, make sure y'all hit that like button, make sure you hit that subscribe button. I probably should have put this at the beginning of the show if I didn't, but. Uh, if you are listening as well, make sure you hit that rating and review. We definitely appreciate it. Also, for those who don't know, we are on a new podcast platform. Um, and unfortunately, what that means with our ratings, uh, while we do appreciate who those who did take the time on the old Trapper Dive platform, we were all five stars. Um, in case you haven't noticed, uh, the new platform <laughs> doesn't have five stars because of like old reviews. Um, so I just want to make that clear. We would definitely appreciate it. We can get some of those same people who looked out for us on the old one to give us some of those uh, reviews to help us out on the new platform. Um, but yeah, with that being said, we're out of here. We're going to be back. Uh, the fellas on the Redskins or commander side uh, will be back next week. Uh, I'll be back later throughout the week with the R32 side talking NFL and anything uh, pertinent with the NFL, like Lamar Jackson, uh, more, more Jackson news, I guess. Uh, but that's it. Y'all take it easy. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. All that good stuff. Peace. Sir. Damn, set, huh? Watch him throw the ball. We gon' pick it off. You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off. You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trapper Dive.